Social Worldview, Intersectional and Optimal Psychology, the Segmentation and Standards, Chapter 5. And Segmentation implies a concentration of one of the constituent parts of a whole, as well as the separation and fragmentation of all parts. Part of reality on which the Western view concentrates is material, that is, the appearance. Such a reality tends to be defined by what we see, touch, taste, hear, or smell, material existence which by nature is temporal and lacking inherent order. If we cannot experience life and have no way of acquiring knowledge, except by counting and measuring through the five senses, then for us, the unifying principles of existence are fragmented and negated. This orientation leads to many things, but for the purpose of our discussion, most important are the ramifications for moral behavior and the standard of ethics. When we rely on what the five senses report as part of our active consciousness, we mistakenly assume that our senses are apprehending a universal objective reality that exists outside ourselves and actually cut ourselves off from the infinite order of lights. The material world we perceive is not as it appears. It is, as we have learned, Nearly the slowest moving of an infinite energy whose boundaries are imposed by the limitations of our senses. In this way, we make ourselves the center of the universe and what we perceive in nature, believed to exist outside ourselves, we assume is ours to control and manipulate. As a result, survival, sustenance of the physical self or material essence existence is contingent upon our ability to obtain and or control material objects. Competing for material objects and their control becomes an all-consuming endeavor. An egotistic orientation grows out of this materialist competitive reality. To the extent that self is defined in terms of individual material form and competition is a mechanism for attainment, attempts to gain increased wealth through shameless individualism will be the inherent consequence. Thus, we arrive at the primary values that pervade the segmented worldview, materialism, competition, and individualism. This worldview regards human energy as needing to be expended for material gain. An optimal worldview regards human energy as an extension of self and having access to all of the material world. In terms of behavior, another important area of examination is the manner in which people within the segmented culture are socialized to handle difference. The ability to perceive difference is basic to our function. But the ways in which we respond to the difference we perceive tend to be culturally specific. In Western culture, difference is treated with what I call a deficit orientation. When a difference is perceived, an evaluative judgment, usually hierarchical in nature, is made. 
The less familiar typically receives the lower evaluation or status. This Western mode of difference handling is the natural consequence of the dichotomous two-value logic that characterizes so much of Western thinking. Materialist existence is the primary basis for such a reality in its definition. And the constant valuation of things creates an illusory sense of worth, meaning, and order. The new and unknown most often elicit fear or negative belief. This response is almost automatically and indiscriminately applied to all entities, from objects to people. In human interactions at the level of generalized culture, we see through such practices as slavery, colonization, genocide, and so on, the most significant behavioral impact of insecurity and fear. When our belief structure has materialist competitive foundation, we tend to be or base self-worth on external criteria, that is material wealth, prestige, status concerns, looks, and so on. Such a system de-emphasizes the morality and righteousness of behavior because of the absence of a universal standard of ethics as the basis of determination. For goodness of character does not lend itself to being counted and measured by appearance. Therefore, the infrastructure of the segmented system devalues qualities of good character to the point of becoming relative, arbitrary, and difficult, if not impossible to discern. Examples of the long-term consequences are prevalent. A lack of criteria for health, healthy behavior, reliance on pathological models, and the method of determining sane behavior that has come to be known as a democratic sanity. If most sanction it, it must be sane. Under such a system, a slave could be diagnosed as insane for running away. Homosexual behavior could have could move from being regarded as abnormal to normal. In a society that bases reality on this worldview, human sexuality will itself be disordered, and sexual conduct disorderly, rape, incest, sexual dysfunction, and perversion, pornography, and so on will not be encountered. These difficulties are due to the fact that the segmented, physically focused mind fails to integrate natural human urges into higher levels of moral function and interpret them in a manner conducive to sacred reference for self, the human body, and respect for the sexual encounter. The sex act becomes the focus and any form of intimacy is likely geared in that direction. Rather than the sensuousness of human warmth, and caring being expressed holistically and sexual intercourse being a special sacred expression that celebrates the continuity of life, the human as a sexual being is fragmented into parts and objects. The Descartes notion that I exist, therefore I am, compounds with the materialist values to make identity tantamount to what one does occupationally, how one appears physically, and or what role socially, professionally, one foot. Feel good about oneself, one has to be better than others in a way that is apparent. This may falsely be accomplished by attempting to put others down. 
a distinguishable difference among people can be used to claim superiority. For example, skin color, sexual characteristics, age, weight, education, grades in school, income, clothes, and so on. Frequently, in contemporary times, virtually all institutions within the segment of society reinforce appearance versus essence. The unsubstantiated hierarchies that are created serve only to build more superficial and artificial mechanisms of exclusion and ostentation. In such a system, it is likely that leaders would be selected based on image and the letter of the law rather than justice would be served. The saddest, most negative aspect of this system is the fact that people suffer and literally kill themselves trying to compete and achieve a sense of worth, value, and need. A truly positive sense of worth and psychologically secure can never be attained through external criteria. If all material trappings were attained, the space within us that is filled only when we achieve psychological security and peace of mind would remain empty. The search for more would never end. For less sophisticated, concern about what people think is often crucial because external validation is needed for internal validation. Instead of becoming more conscious of themselves, they simply assume that others see them as they see themselves. The need for ego boost, false though they may be, becomes greater. A culture of psychologically oppressed, racist, sexist, workaholics, substance abuser, megalomaniacs, and other pathogenic persons is created. Stress, anxiety, depression, fear, and alienation are common. Mental and physical illness pervade. People become victims of a faulty conceptual system that resides in the individual and collective consciousness. Specific objects that are the focus of Western uh, cultural worldview and its segmented nature may change over time. For example, from basic food and shelter to ephemeral luxuries. But the mentality and drive to attain them does not change. The values that guide and shape the behavior, the way difference is handled, the manner in which identity and worth are achieved, these come together to reinforce a suboptimal mode of perceiving the world. Because of the finite and limited assumptions of this belief system, people become conceptually blocked in the mode believing it is the best way, if not the only way, to perceive the world. Naturally, growth and development will be experienced in material, economic, and technological terms, absent an overriding standard of ethics for guidance. Another outgrowth of the Western worldview is a skewed perception and changing of history. Because of the segmented nature and ethnocentric focus of this worldview, all events are planned, perceived, reported to have taken place when and how they serve the interests of the West. The rest of humankind and its reality is discounted. For example, early man was caveman, Columbus discovered America, and so on. According to the Western worldview, Native American genocide was the great Western expansion, and slavery was a favor to the uncivilized African. More recently, Elvis Presley was designated the king of rock and roll, and Benny Goodman the king of swing. Yet the musical forms for which they have been honored were in fact created and performed by others. 
people of African descent. They simply copied the patterns that would appeal to the Euro-American descendants. Repeatedly written proclamations are misconstrued as historical fact. Though particular ways of thinking result in negative consequences, people are not bad. And while we've identified nothing good resulting from the segment of view, an optimal perspective holds that everything has a value and a purpose. Let's look at the whole picture. Assume the divine order of the universe. Only then can we see the interrelation of all things and find direction for unifying, containing, and transcending all opposites. Holism and the natural order. Let me preface this description by re reiterating that by traditional African culture, I mean African culture prior to the emergence of other cultural groups. Despite the fact today that Africa is an extremely large continent with much ethnic diversity, we find that in the past, certain philosophical and cultural ethos permeated the societies. From these themes, we characterize an optimal holistic view. African people developed physical and psychological characteristics consistent with their environments. If we follow the theory of racial differences discussed earlier, we find a congruence between the differentiating characteristics of Negroid and Caucasoid races. The identifying characteristics of those racial groups are not mutually exclusive, but exist as degrees along a continuum. At the same time, generalized differences can be anticipated. As African people lived in warmer, milder climates where the materials necessary for survival were plentiful, they may have felt less threatened, less insecure. As their perception of the world changed, the men are consistent with their experience. Aggression, the psychological correlate of insecurity, no longer typified their behavior. Their behavior can best be understood in reference to today's concept of flowing with nature. Since central to the traditional African worldview is the conception that everything is unified, interdependent, and a part of the whole. There is an order inherent in the unity of this holistic orientation that can be seen in all levels of nature and provides the impetus for an integrated reality and the basis on which the optimal is designed. The supreme reality that is the essence of humankind in nature binds and orders the universe. The essence of formlessness is the source of all form. The nature of being and existence is the expression of the limit. All of existence forms a multidimensional channel through which one is consciously connected with the ancestry, the yet unborn, nature, and the community. This orientation is the foundation of African science, whose achievements are evidenced by the pyramids, mathematics, astrology, and a unified standard of ethics, to name just a few. The Western conception of knowledge suggests that external sources are the basis of knowledge, such as the foundation of objectivism and a positive empirical approach to science. The presumption of a spiritual essence taking form or material appearance, however, encourages the restructuring of knowledge around that essence. Learning more about this is the purpose of life and leads to a mode of knowing the world that relies on multiple meanings of symbols and rhythms. One's essence or spirit and physical being are continually cycled as it 
and everything in nature is. Levels of the natural order are thus discerned and can be used as a framework for a standard of ethics. Rather than control nature, the search to understand and function consistently with nature's laws is aided by the belief that each aspect of nature has a special and unique role to play in the larger scheme of things. Each is valued and studied with emphasis on integration and interdependence. In traditional African culture, the out of harmony or rhythm with nature was regarded as harmful to the well-being and survival of the whole. The holistic worldview of an optimal psychology, self-worth, and identity are based on being in tune with the whole or ultimate conception of one, such that self-worth is inherent in the realization of one's true essence. This awareness automatically makes us feel worthy, possessing a sense of well-being. We can sustain this positive identity by behaving in a manner consistent with that ultimate reality. Thus, behavior is shaped by an inherent ethical standard. External factors can neither add nor distract or detract from the essence of our being. When existence is experienced beyond the five senses as a spiritual reality, apprehended in an extrasensory fashion, in order to be fully known, feelings become a very important sensory mechanism. Feelings also become a means of guidance on the pathway to higher consciousness, serving as an implicit self-correcting monitor of ethics. Holistic development is evidenced by human and ethical concerns. This is consistent with the Afrocentric process of intuitivity. Psychohistorical analyses of nation behaviors. Just as behavior confirms the consciousness of an individual, history confirms the consciousness of a people. The first ancient Western civilization was Hellenic or Greek. People of Alpine and Nordic stock who migrated into the Greek peninsula around 2000 BC. Burns and Ralph described the attitudes of Greeks as secular and rationalistic. They believed the physical world was the only reality. They believed that man was not or was its controller. They believed that man was the controller of the physical world. According to the Greeks, temptuous passions that seized man's nature were bad because they caused a loss of self-control, essential to a successful warrior. Obtaining material benefits, such as a good fortune, an abundant harvest, and attaining skill and craftsmanship were of primary importance. Greeks and their orientation toward economic development was unsurpassed and was founded on beliefs that typify the segmented worldview. As we follow the evolution of the Greeks through Roman civilization to present day, we note an historical consistency in behavior. The Romans conceived of a world empire established and maintained by virtue of imperialistic thinking and martial power. The Roman Empire, as its British and American counterparts, was founded by conquest, justified by manifest destiny. 
It evolved from a simple agrarianism to a complex urban system with problems of unemployment, monopoly, disparities of wealth, and financial crises. The Roman system of worship, identical to the Greeks, was external and mechanical, not inward or spiritual. They regarded the emotional attitude of love for the divine as grossly superstitious. Early civilization of medieval Europe is often depicted as a unique time of abysmal ignorance and superstition. Its people concerned only with escape from the miseries of the world and torments of hell. Yet the social and economic doctrines of the period are similar to those of modern Europe. Though medieval beliefs and practices emerge from a segmented worldview, medieval civilization was organized. Owing to the Christian religion, the influence of German barbarians, and the heritage of Greek and Roman cultures. The Christian religion in particular borrowed from Jewish and other sources ranging from Zoroastrian to Manichaeans. The growth of the Christian organization was important to the whole medieval era. The church and its related institutions evolved into an elaborate structure that would become the framework of society. The climax of this development was growth of the primacy of the bishop as well. That is, the rise of the papacy. In 455, Emperor Valentinian III commanded all Western bishops to submit to the jurisdiction of the Pope. In little more than a century, teachings that supported Gnosticism, ideas emphasizing a spiritual material worldview, were ruled heretical and were banned. The organization of the church was not confined to ecclesiastical, ecclesiastical uh, monasticism, originally an outpost of ascetism, was highly regarded. In the West, the first major monastery was founded by St. Benedict, whose rule became the standard for nearly all monks and religious uh, institutions of devotion. The Benedictine rule imposed obligations of poverty, obedience, labor, and religious devotion. A system that organized control was created, whereas a monk at each monastery had practically unlimited authority to discipline as those in charge. It would be difficult to exaggerate the influence of monasticism upon the societies in early and Middle Ages. Monks, generally the best farmers in Europe, reclaimed wastelands, drained swamps, and made numerous discoveries related to the improvement of the soil and achieved progress in May of the industrial arts. Some modern writers maintain that the monks laid the foundation for the Industrial Revolution in Europe. Monks wrote most of the books, copied ancient manuscripts, and maintain the majority of schools, libraries, and so on. Germanic barbarians had the second most important influence on medieval Europe. They were largely responsible for particular elements of feudalism, including the idea of law prescribed by custom and by personal possession. 
contractual relationships between rulers and subjects, trial by ordeal and others. In the early Middle Age, the strongest West European state was established in France. Charmaine was one of the most important figures of the period. He established efficient government, combating the central and centrifugal forces and tendencies that the per period gained momentum. In the early ages, the strongest West European state was established in France. Charlemagne was an outstanding figure of the period. He established efficient government, combating the centrifugal forces that periodically gained momentum. Charlemagne was crowned the royal emperor by Pope the Third, Pope Leo the Third, which paved way for quote of the later Middle Ages to claim supremacy. Amid internal conflicts among Saxons, Angles, Jews, Danes, Normans, and others, medieval civilizations began to decline to start barbarism. Amid internal conflicts among Saxons, Angles, Jews, Danes, Normans, and others, the medieval civilizations declined to stark barbarism. So great was the fear of starvation that even taking from others, despite its religious prohibition, was absolved. Other medieval civilizations declined to engage in such stark barbarism. So great was the fear of starvation that in some regions, cannibalism was practiced. Aided by another group of Africans, the Moors, Western Europe began to move out of the barbarism of the Dark Ages. The practice of repentance and ideas of other worldliness were replaced by its determination to mold the environment to prevalent thought. Feudalism emerged as a decentralized structure of society in which power to govern was exercised by the barons over persons economically dependent on them. The right to govern was a property right. Many lives of nobility of persons holding heritable land in exchange for service governed as they chose with the little obligation other than providing a military assistance as needed and overseeing the control of the land. The masses were peasant class, composed predominantly of villains or serfs. The villains had been farmers who surrendered their land to powerful neighbors. Serfs were bought and sold with the land. Entire villages could be subjugated to serfdom. In the feudal sites, merchant and craft guilds were the basic economic institutions. The main function of the merchant guild was to maintain a monopoly of the local market for its own members. Craft guilds functioned principally the same, but admitted three classes of members, master craftsmen, journeymen, and apprentices. By no means an exclusively religious movement, the Crusades were the chief expression of feudal impressions and imperialism. At the Council of Claremont, Pope Urban II, 
urged the nobles of France to take up arms for the conquest of Palestine. He reasoned that resources in this land, as far as the lands of the wicked race, should be taken. Replacing feudalism was the rule of the monarchies that characterized the Renaissance, which began in Italy. Primary influence over the beginnings of the Renaissance is attributed by Western scholars to Saracenic and Byzantine civilization and by Afrologists to the Moors. The issue notwithstanding the Renaissance spread throughout most of Western Europe, the rise of capitalism and bourgeoisie exemplifies the powerful currents of individualism that pervaded the fourth 14th and 15th centuries. The rise of capitalism and the bourgeoisie exemplifies the powerful currents of individualism and pervaded the 14th and 15th century. Okay, I am going to close out for today. See you next time on page 15. Replacing feudalism was the rule of the monarch. Thanks so much. So good to meet with you again, Dr. Garvey. I'm so excited because this whole notion of the meaning of development is so central to what's going on with us even today. And as you've talked about, and we know, um, the Western invaders, colonizers, and enslavers um, actually built their wealth on the backs of African people and stealing other people's land or colonizing it, they would say. And as a consequence, they set themselves up as the first world and define development in material terms. And that definition of development around economic growth positioned them to have such power in so many ways, not the least of which is to ignore the importance of social change and justice. And as a consequence, the so-called developed nations kind of position themselves to behave very badly um, and um, totally exploit the so-called third world nations. <laughs> Clearly, that couldn't have happened. <laughs> Excuse me. Unless, um, they had been able to convince African people to go along with it. Mm -hmm. And so what we're striving to do with our theory of optimal psychology is to help awaken us to not going along with it any longer and coming back to an understanding of the meanings of development that is more consistent with that of our ancestors. So I just wanted to um, ask your opinion relative to um, what has happened with the so-called first world and third world, how you see mm -hmm. our um, transition, our transformation mm -hmm. away from dependence and giving power to the so-called first world uh, is going. Well, you know, that's very interesting. And, you know, we, 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 we adopt, um, these, these, uh, the, the language we, we adopt, the concepts, and we adopt the, the meanings of, of those who have captured us and, and oppressed us. Just the use of your term first world. <laughs> well, you know, who is the first world? 
African people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so how can anybody claim first world status and, and then demote us somehow to third world or, or whatever it is uh, status? It, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's sort of um, turning everything uh, upside down. But, you know, I think it, it goes back to, to, to socialization in terms of culture and, and understanding. And, and I think it's, it, it's very important because, um, you know, from, certainly from, from the, the, the African perspective, um, which I, I would call <laughs> the first world perspective, I hope our listeners or watchers don't get confused. Because when I use first world, I'm going to be speaking of Africa as opposed to using first world um, for the, you know Greeks, Romans, and whatever. Um, but um, if if, um, if if we look at biological systems, um, I, I think there, there are three aspects of, of any biological uh, uh, system in terms of its its development. Um, one is, is that it has to have a safe space in which to, to develop. If, 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 if the space is not safe, then, then it can't develop. Um, so, so, so safety is important. The other thing that's important is the ability to, to control the, the environment so that you can move and do the things that, that you want to do. And then the, the, the third thing really is, is support and nurture. You know, back to the old nature and nurture. So we need a certain amount of nurture so that we'll have self-esteem and, and, and confidence. So if we look at those things sort of, sort of um, uh, individually, those three points, um, one, uh, if, if, if you're in an environment uh, and you're not safe, then you're going to be fearful, fearful for your own safety in, in, in terms of, of your life and, and your limb, so to speak. And you know, survival is the number one priority in terms of a biological system. Um, uh, so so uh, again, if, if you're not safe, um, then if you might, you're, you're going to try to compensate for the lack of safety. That, that's one way to, to deal with, with an unsafe uh, uh, system. Um, either you give in and you're fearful and that's how you work with it, or you, you try to overcome the situation so that you create a, a safe situation ar around you. Now, now, now two is, is, is similar in terms of, of control. If you have no control over your, the circumstances around you, then you're going to maybe seek somebody who has control and can help you. So you become dependent on that other person. Or you develop your, your own control and you really focus on controlling your environment, dominating your environment and controlling it. So these things that I'm talking about are compensatory uh, uh, measures. If, 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 you don't have the optimal circumstances for a biological system. I know we've been talking about optimal psychology, but there is optimal biology. Absolutely. I'm dealing right now with optimal biology. But you see, and then you, you look at the third thing, which we call uh, nurture, if you will. 
Now, if, 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 if you're not loved, if you're not encouraged, if you're not supported in, in terms of, of, of what you're doing or what you're becoming, then, then, then you, you won't have confidence in yourself. You'll have low self-esteem. And, and either you'll, you'll, be, you'll be shy and, and introverted or, or isolated, uh, or, or definitely you won't have confidence in, in yourself and be able to do the things that you should be doing in the environment. So, 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 so these are the, the three things that a biological system needs in terms of safety, um, um, uh, in terms of control, and, and in terms of self-esteem. And the other things, if, if they have not obtained, are then going to be um, um, compensated for. And you develop these compensatory mechanisms. Now, I, I think if you look now at the socialization of the West, okay, the socialization of the West is relative to individualism, and it's, it's relative to um, uh, uh, competition, and it's relative to materialism. So, so all of those things do, do not value or do not help um, the individual to gain support and, 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 and safety within the environment, because the environment is a competitive environment where individuals are fighting against each other to gain the, 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 the greatest uh, materialistic accumulations. And that's what the society is based around, the accumulation of material goods. And, and of course, there's no end to that because the more you have, the more you want. We've gone through that. And, 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 and it's a gratification uh, of, of your senses. And, and again, we can elaborate on, on all of that. And, and, you know, and, and there's never enough of that in terms of what your eye can see you know, what, 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 what your mouth can taste or uh, what your nose can smell or what you can feel and, and on and on and on. And that's the, the whole, um, you might say, a basis for, for, for the, the economic development uh, in, in the West. It, it, it's manufacturing things um, 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 for, for people to use and have. And it's also uh, creating the, the stimulus for them to want these things. So, so we have this materialistic uh, uh, culture and the way, the way in, in, in which people are socialized into this culture is to be competitive, to be individualistic, and really to, to be fighting you know, for, for survival. Because it, it's as if to say, um, but there is never enough out there, and you must always be competing for more. So the, this, this therefore develops um, within the culture all of these characteristics that are compensatory characteristics for a biological system who is trying to survive. So it's a suboptimal system for the flourishing of a biological system or a biological entity. It's a suboptimal system for the, for the flourishing of a biological entity. And as you know, and, and when we contrast it, let's say with the first world um, understanding of who we are, we're primary spiritual entities. And then we express ourselves through our biology within a physical environment. But we knew and we understood that we were part of nature. 
So we were both nature and nurture because we learned how to nurture each other from nature because we never thought that we were separate and apart from nature. So we were one with nature and, and this, it's the whole concept of oneness as the basis of who we are. And that is my act, which we have gone through um, in, uh, earlier on in terms of Ma'at being, being the basis of our original civilizations, Nazali civilizations, that, that order, that, that in, in interconnectivity and intercommunication and, and that oneness, because you can't have order without oneness. So, so that has been the basis of our societies and it's come forward into you know, the concept of, of uh, Ubuntu and, 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 and communalism which you find in all of our African societies. So uh, if, if you have uh, an, an, an improper socialization or a suboptimal socialization, and, 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 and you, you don't even recognize um, the, the primacy of, of spirit, which you can call consciousness, if you will, um, but obviously spirit has to be consciousness plus energy. Um, and I would say plus information, but, um, you know, we don't want to get into all of that. But uh, without a recognition of that, then you're dealing with this suboptimal um, uh, socialization is <laughs> that is, is, a, a, is aggressive, it's, it's individualistic, it's materialistic, and, and certainly uses up the resources of the universe for the benefit of a group of people or one person and so on. And that's how you have a billionaires. I mean, you know, it, it's immoral to have somebody with billions and billions of dollars, and then you have thousands and thousands of homeless people on the street. I mean, it's total immorality and there's nothing in nature that corresponds to that. It's, yeah, it's, it's unnatural as well as being inhumane. And of course, you know, we're natural human beings. You see, and I think the Afrocentric perspective, which is what we are contrasting it, is a natural system. You see, we do believe in mother nature. We are part of nature. All of us is nature. And there's mother nature who has given birth to all the different aspects of nature. And, and, and that was the understanding of our first civilizations. And that is what we have to go back to and build on that, um, you, you know, and, and, and in, in terms of how do we get there, as we were saying, you have to work through the, 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 the uh, self-understanding, meaning that you have to break down the psychological barriers and boundaries that have been created by this suboptimal socialization that is present throughout the culture that has dominated us. So we need to get to that optimal psycho psychological understanding of self so that spirit can then manifest, you know, without the, 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 the barriers. Uh, and just so a spirit can manifest physically, shall we say, in terms of our thought processes, in terms of our speech, and in terms of our actions, in terms of how we relate to each other, and in terms of the systems that we create in terms of community, and in terms of, of nations and international relationships, and, and so on and so forth. So, you know, I, I, I think it goes back to those a basic understanding of human nature in its essence as spiritual and as a biological system. And, and we have to have the, the understanding of that to know how to nurture our young people and how to educate them. 
Absolutely. I love what you said in terms of looking at um, humans as a biological system. And I think what is so astounding to me is that um, based on optimal psychology, we somehow as African um, captured and imprisoned as chattel uh, managed to survive two and a half centuries without the normal cultural conditioning because that understanding was so deep and so strong within us mm -hmm. of who we really are, were by nature, and also the fact that we did not seemingly have the safety, the control, or the nurturing, but somehow we managed to eat safety, control, and nurturing long enough to bring us through that two and a half century of chattel enslavement. So that lets us know the power of spirit, consciousness, energy. And it also lets us know that after emancipation, and most importantly, after uh, the 50s and desegregation, when we lost access to the education of our own children and sent our children to the captors of our ancestors to be educated, or miseducated, we've lost tremendously that power, that black cultural grounding and standing that allowed us to um, still have a sense of um, self-determination and self-confidence and self-esteem. And all of that's been rewarded, eroded as we take on the fragmented suboptimal view that our captors and their progeny knew they had to make us take on if they were going to be able to control us. Mm -hmm. One of the things you said, uh, Dr. Garvey, I think most people aren't aware. The powers that be, those material elite folk who kind of managed the whole world, the global community, so to speak, they literally took uh, the lessons they learned from uh, World War I and the power of uh, propaganda. Mm -hmm. Martin Bernays, who was the nephew of uh, Sigmund Freud, actually is considered the father of marketing, otherwise known as propaganda and brainwashing. So we have millions or, yeah, we have hundreds of people sitting on uh, Wall Street or sitting somewhere figuring out how they could convince people to buy things they did not need and make them want those things so that the corporate world could make money. And you know, that was such a good strategy because it's still a driver today. We're still buying things we don't need because someone else has told us, oh, if you have that, you'll be somebody. Mm -hmm. It's such a devilish manipulation, let me say it that way very powerful but it's also one that we can escape by returning to the values that have characterized us so thank you so much for sharing your thoughts on that i think that at some level we can utilize because we are both spirit and matter we can use the psychological and uh, benefit from the consciousness that we have inherited from our ancestors to really transcend all of the psychological oppression 
that's been imposed on us. Mm -hmm. And we really do need to cut, stop calling and measuring development by economic exploitation. Who has exploited most people the most is the first world. And mm -hmm. go back to recalling who the true and what the true first world actually is, mm -hmm. the first people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's going to be a long haul though, <laughs> and quite yeah, a struggle. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, just in terms of, of the, the, the propaganda uh, machine and its relentlessness. Um, you know, you, 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 you look at what's happening in Ukraine and, 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 and the, how should I put it, um, the way in which Russia is being characterized as, as evil, but yet still it's the NATO forces that are trying to surround Russia. And, and uh, look at how we responded when Russia tried to develop a, a base in Cuba. You know, we said we, we, we would, you know, bomb Cuba, and, you know, and, and we have continued to threaten anybody who, who opposed us. And when I say us, you know, I'm, I'm captive, I'm a captive of the West <laughs> at this point. And, you know, anybody who has opposed us to bomb them back in the Stone Age. And just today, you know, a Japanese gentleman, you know, died and I was reading his story. It was in the obituary. And he is someone who chronicled the, the, the bombing of, of, of Tokyo. This was the bombing of Tokyo in one, in one night, a bombing of Tokyo during the Second World War. Wow. And they killed 100,000 civilians. This is not Hiroshima. This is not Nagasaki. You, you see, but how many people know about this? Never heard of it until you just said you never heard of it. I, I never heard of it either. I mean, and this blew me away. And, and here we, we see in the same New York Times where I read this article, daily, daily, they're talking about the war crimes of, of Russia in Ukraine. Now, you, you know, have Russia killed 10 people in Ukraine so far? I mean, you see individual funerals, you know. I. You know, uh, I think today they, call, they talked about a mass grave, but, you know, but okay, come on, people. I mean, you know, this is the, this is the system under which we, we live. We're killing 100,000 Japanese in one night as part of this reprisal, this anger at them, you know, starting the war in the Pacific with, with, with the, um, 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 against the, the Americans um, when they bombed the, the American air base. One night, the bombing of Tokyo, 100,000 Japanese blown away Yes. In, in one night. I mean, it's hard to imagine. It is. It's hard to imagine. And that's not a war crime? Self-knowledge oh. is a basic well, no, Hiroshima is no war crime. Nagasaki is no war crime. But then they want to bring some, some African person who killed 10 people or something or 100 people and said, you, you know, oh, terrible war crimes have been committed here. I mean, I, this is the nonsense that we deal with day in and day out. And that's why it, it's so hard for, for, for the average person to see the light at the end of the tunnel. Sure. And, and again, just to emphasize that the, the point of, of, of manufacturing, you know, these, these wants um, that, that everybody must have. Um, um, you know, it, it's hard to watch anything on TV 
without seeing the Big Mac that keeps getting bigger and bigger. And it's a double Mac with a triple cheese and all kinds of gooey stuff, you know, dripping from it to entice you to eat this thing, which is going to kill you or give you a heart attack, you know, and have you take medicines for the rest of your life as you battle your obesity and so on and so forth. <laughs> well, and now it, they have a the pill for thing, that, you know. <laughs> the whole thing is so out of sync that, um, you know, but, but, but the point is that um, we, we have to recognize um, the illness, if you will, in terms of the system in which we, we, we are being um, acculturated. And, and then we have to find the way out of it, the way not to be seduced by it. And, uh, you know, uh, as we've been talking about, it's, it's definitely a, a mental uh, process. It's a psychological uh, uh, process because it's our mind that has been conditioned um, 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 to see things uh, this way. And, and to believe in the propaganda and therefore to function in, in a way that the system wants you to function in terms of, of the media and, and Hollywood and the newspapers and, and, and everything else, which again is, is all controlled yeah. by those on top who manipulate uh, the system uh, for, their, for their benefit. But it, it ends up as it's going to be an individual thing. Each of us has to find a way, you know, out of the darkness of the culture in which we are, but to find our own light because the light is in us and we have to begin to disconnect ourselves from the system that feeds all this information into us and that creates these, these desires but, but, um, in terms of sensations, because, um, you know, life is feeling. And it, in terms of a mental understanding, if we can become aware enough of what is conditioning us, then we can begin the process of deconditioning. That's and then once we begin the process of deconditioning, then our, our natural self will begin to surface and will begin to unfold. So we have to be able to identify our feelings that are created by the sensations that are prevalent within the society, because that's what's trapping us. Our, our feelings, we develop either desire to satisfy uh, the, 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 the feeling that we see, you know, that is expressed. This particular person is beautiful because they have long straight hair or they have pale skin or, you know, their buttocks are big or their boobs are big or whatever it is, and, you know, and, and, and this thing is valuable because it has, you know, 300 horsepower and you can go from zero to 100 miles an hour in five seconds or whatever, 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 whatever. Um, you know, this dress is fine because it, you know, it goes up to your mid-thigh and when you cross your legs, God knows Sharon Stone wasn't wearing underwear underneath it. So, you know, you get a great view, uh, you know, and, and so on. The, the, the seductiveness of the society in which we live, all of this is guaranteed. It plays to our senses because the society is built around sensation. It is true. It's still at the animalistic level 
of sensory experience. And then of course the intellectual capacity to maximize that sensory experience for your individual uh, 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 benefit, which is ego. So it's ego-based, you know, using your intelligence to maximize your sensory experience. Now, you have to reverse that, 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 that process yourself. Absolutely. With, with, with a psychological process that allows you to look at your mind and see how your mind works in terms of the enticements of the environment that brings this information then to your senses and then to your feelings. And then from your feelings, you get emotions. If, if it's a nice feeling, then you get an emotion of desire. You know, if it's not a nice feeling, then you get an emotion of aversion. Or if it's neither one, if it's a neutral feeling, then you don't really care. You know, it, it doesn't matter. You, you know, you can ignore it. You know, so, so that's ignorance. Uh, you, you know, and, and that's the, the, the play that, that you go through it's like, dislike, or ignore. And, and, and it builds up you know, the, the, the desire or aversion or ignorance and confusion. So if it's yes. desire, then you cling to the desire. And, 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 and if you can't get it, then you're craving for it. And if it's aversion and, and, and you, you push it away, and, and if you can't push it away, then you get, you get angry, <laughs> you know, and, and, then, and then you hate it. You know, so so there you are with all the different dead, deadly sins of, of desire and, and hate and you know and, and fear and pride and, and, and ignorance. And, and this is the way in which you have been socialized, you know, uh, um, growing up, and this is how you have experienced the culture. And you're trapped in that unless you can see it for what it is and to be able to look at it, and therefore you can see where your feelings come from. And you don't have to be trapped by your feelings. You, you can distance yourself and you know that you're not your feelings. Your feelings no. come and your feelings go. So you don't have to give into it. And you can begin to develop that space um, that, that is really you. And, and the you can begin to, um, um, uh, shall we say, accommodate to, to that space that you've created, that space of stillness and, and, and watchfulness and awareness. And of course, people call it mindfulness. <laughs> well, you know, optimal psychology has a process for that. And I'm so glad you mentioned uh, and have been talking about the, how seductive sensory expression is and understanding. Bert, uh, the marketers understand how seductive, how things look once you've told them that's the way it should look. It becomes so attractive. And if you're not a person who thinks for themselves or who has critically self-reflected or examined how the system works. If you're still simply a, a person controlled by the system, then you're really lost in floundering because it's so seductive. All you're gonna be doing is be caught up in the rat race on the treadmill trying to get more and more and more. And we have so much evidence, particularly among young black women today, that even when they get everything society says they should have, they're unhappy. They know it's not enough, so much so that they're taking their own lives. Mm -hmm. So we're hopeful that people can be 
uh, woken to the realization that this is all a big mind control bait and switch, if you will. Mm -hmm. And I definitely agree. If you don't have clarity about who you are, where you are, and how you got here, you're not going to have a pathway to freedom and liber liberation. The reality is that we are in hostile lands. We are at war, spiritual war. And the only thing, as your father said so brilliantly many, many decades ago, if we don't free our own minds, then we are going to be lost. And so the process of freeing one's mind is the realization of how you got to believe all of this nonsense that has really got you controlled. And it would be different, Dr. Garvey, if you were happy. <laughs> it would be different if you were anxious and depressed and prone to violence and addiction. Mm -hmm. But you are. Yeah. But again, we were so brainwashed and the media is so heavily involved in structuring our consciousness. I think of all the big pharma advertisements. Now big farmers in their, the scene and, well, you know, if you're depressed, take this medication or that medication, or if this and that medication doesn't work, here's another medication. All of that has a deleterious effect on our health and ultimate potential for sustainable well-being. Mm -hmm. But what can give us sustainable well-being and peace and a sense of security? Realizing we're one with the source. Mm -hmm. Always have been, always will. And the only time we're not is when someone can convince us we're not mm -hmm. and therefore can manipulate and control us. So it's a pretty straightforward process. Mm -hmm. Uh, this uh, exploitation that we're experiencing, but the key is going to be our capacity to understand the truth of the reality within which we find ourselves and, and the lies and the control of information. Who knew about the bombing <laughs> that you just described? But the sad thing is we're in the society who's probably been the worst in terms of exploitation, in terms of wars, in terms of violence. I think of uh, what the US did to Liberia as um, it, uh, Gaddafi was bringing together the African Union to become self-determining and self-sufficient. Uh, they had to take him out. And that was under Obama. <laughs> so, so it's very problematic, but You've got to become conscious. You've got to become aware and expose yourself to the knowledge, wisdom, and understanding that is going to expand. Yeah. And, you know, knowledge of self in the world. You know, um, um, you, you, you mentioned um, if you, you just look at, 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 at happiness and um, the the evanescence of happiness in terms of our pursuit of it externally. Um, you know, um, nobody can ever make me happy with, with any particular thing because whatever the thing is, uh, if, if, if you get it, you, you might lose it. So you're worried about losing it if you're that interested in it. 
if you're so interested in it day by day by day, then sooner or later you get tired of it <laughs> and you want to get rid of it. You want the next or, or the, the thing that, that, that you love so much changes. And you know, you, you and I have been in relationships or whatever, and you may love somebody today and my God, next year, 10 years from now, whatever, that person has changed or hasn't changed and your happiness is gone, you know. So it's, it's, it's a false idea that you can obtain happiness by things that are outside of you because there, there is no thing outside of you that is permanent. Everything changes. That's, that's the law of the universe. Every, every physical thing changes. So that there can be no total satisfaction in anything that's a thing. But yet still, the society that we're talking about is built on trying to obtain happiness outside of yourself and things. And if you look at, at, at the way, you know, uh, uh, um, children are, the younger the better. They are so satisfied just laying there, being themselves. They may have a toy, they may not have a toy. But they'll create their own their own happiness. They'll create imaginary friends or what have you, or crawl around, creep around, or be, be satisfied with the dirt or digging a hole or whatever it is. They'll be completely, completely happy all by themselves. Mm-hmm. And very often it's the adult who comes around and disturbs their happiness, you know, and then soon, sooner or later they start to cry. So my point is this, that we are programmed for happiness and for joy. And, 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 you know, one of the things that we talk about, we are enjoying this and we are enjoying that. The joy is in us. The joy is not in the thing. Even when we claim to be happy, the happiness is not in the thing because the thing changes. The happiness is in us. So we're looking at it the wrong way around. So we need to look, we need to look inside us to find happiness. And that's the whole concept of remembering because we were happy when we came into this world. And I get back to my favorite Zen Cohen. What was your original face before you were born? And I get back also to the story of Osar and Oset and how, you know, Osar was cut into 14 pieces by Set. And, and the purpose of saying 14 pieces, because seven is, is a number that means large. So, so 14 is like double large, meaning that you're fragmented and you're interested in things, innumerable things. That's like what we are. And that's how Alsar was cut up. But then what did Alsar do? She went around and picked up all of these pieces, remembering, remembering, putting the members back together. She was remembering what Alsar was originally. And, and that's what Alsar represents psychologically. He represents our original nature being made in the image of God. And that's what we have to remember. Each of us can remember, you know, each of us can remember <coughs> that, that stage in us when we were pure, but before we were began to be conditioned by the system, but we have to do that work ourselves. And that's the work of willpower. And that's Heru. And that's what Heru represents in terms of the Osirian system. Uh, you know, uh, 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 which is awareness 
remembered Ausar. So she had a, a, a remembrance of, of, of who, who Ausar was. But then she was impregnated by that, meaning that she understood that. You see, but then she had to develop the willpower, which is Heru. That's what she gave birth to. She gave birth to this will and intentionality of then becoming Ausar. So, so the intentionality that was birthed uh, uh, by Auset um, uh, from Ausar over time now was able to defeat this division that was created by Set, which was ego was able to defeat ego and, and all of this attachment to things. And then the resurrection of Ausar, which is the Christ, the Karas, you say the anointed one. And, and this is one of the problems that we have in terms of what was borrowed from us as a people and came to be called Christianity and then was distorted through Nicene Council, etc. Because the last name of Jesus is not Christ. It's Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth. It's Jesus the Christ. And, you know, like it's Sakyamuni, the Buddha. The Buddha means the enlightened one. Christ means the anointed one. And, and that story comes straight from us. And it's there in Luxor, you know, from 3000 BC. It's there in the temple in Luxor. That whole annunciation and whatnot and the birth of, of, um, of, of Heru. But you see, so this is our, this is the story of nature, of, of human nature. This is how human nature was born. And, and, and this is how human nature has to manifest, manifest itself, you know, as, as this, this spiritual entity that triumphs over ego and all the attractions of, of things through the in, intentionality of one's awareness, looking at mind, which is ego, and the belief systems that go along with that, and the propaganda, but then getting to the true self, which is the image of God, which is also unresurrecting. I love it's, your sharing. It's story. there, it's there, it's there for us to, to grab and, and, and re, I don't know, re-energize, shall we say. Yes. You know, I love your sharing that story because I think of um, asset awareness, yeah. and uh, I think of uh, cross space and time. Mm -hmm. Now asset has to bring forth that same awareness and remembering in a social context that is so toxic and pathological that we really have to figure out to remember. Mm -hmm how ego plays in and how we can overcome ego and how we've been manipulated as we've talked earlier in this discussion by the powers that be because that's basically what the white supremacist patriarchal system taps into to control us and that's ego getting us to buy into the idea that certain educations where you got them how you look your income your position your car where you live is your worth and your identity and as long as they can convince you that's true and they're very 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 good at it mm -hmm. because it is very 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 seductive a set has to be on, on guard 
and really work hard to bring that awareness for, uh, forth mm -hmm, mm -hmm. in ourselves. Yeah. That understanding forth in ourselves. So we're able then to go gather the 14 pieces of the mm -hmm. mm -hmm. So we can then bring forth a root. Mm -hmm. It's just such a beautiful story. I can listen to it over yeah, and, and over. And you know, uh, as you're saying, how powerful outside has to be in terms of awareness. Don't forget that not only did she re remember all the different parts of Osa, but she raised Heru yes. in swamps until Heru was strong enough to be able now to go and fight Seth. And, and, and she taught Heru, you know, uh, uh, how to fight, uh, fight Seth. So, so the the the, the, um, um, the work that that Auset has to do is, is significant in, in, in growing that that strength and in, in that strength and being able to manifest it as intentionality the, yes. to fight against the, the power of Auset. Very significant. Very. In fact, raising a root to become. <laughs> yes. She nurtured and raised him. So it's getting back to the point you made earlier in terms of safety and control and nurturing. So that's the consciousness. There, there you go. That's a beautiful, beautiful connection, which I, I, I didn't make it in my own mind. But, but that's exactly what it speaks to. You know, it, it, it speaks to that period when Auset was raising Heru. That's yeah. exactly what she did. She did it in the swamps there, um, you know, where it was protected from, from Seth and everything else. Nobody could find them. Okay. So, so there was there was safety. And, and, and she, she gave him control over whatever she taught him, all of these things. And, and clearly there was nurturing in terms of growing him up. So he had the self-esteem, he had the confidence. He learned, you know, to control the environment and to be strong, and, and, and he was protected and, and safe. So he had all of the biological parameters that we have been talking about. Absolutely. Then to be able to, to go out and manifest his spirit and, and have, have his intentionality, which is his strength, the will, to, to fight against all these vicissitudes that, that we associate with Seth or Satan. So yes. it's a beautiful, comprehensive story. It is true. And I think about how our ancestors knew through symbolic imagery and rhythm. So what is the swamp? Where is the swamp? Where is the safe place today where we can nurture and protect and raise the children? And what, how do we raise Heru in a context where he's constantly being bombarded with the seduction of materialism or having the right degree and the right education and the right exposure. Mm -hmm. Well, most of, most of that is an individual process when you're in a society that does not do it for you. Obviously, if it's a, a, a society that does that, which is what the Kemetic society was in its totality, uh, it was supportive, etc. And this is what it manifested as its ideal human being. Um, you, you know, not the billionaire who goes on the cover of Forbes or The Economist or, you, you know, the Wall Street Journal or whatever it is, you, you know, who, who has uh, appropriated, you know, so much of the world's wealth or what have you. That was not the, the, the ideal of our societies. The ideal of our society was, was Al-Sar and Heru. 
Yeah. And, and it was Heru who made this journey and, and resurrected or recreated his, his, his father. And, and this was the anointed one. Yeah. And, 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 and of course, then he, he created a society of Ma'at. Yeah. And, and you know, you know, all of the pharaohs, I mean, they breathed Ma'at, you know, the figures of Ma'at, they put up to their nose. And then they all said, uh, you know, I have, I have performed that during my reign and so on and so on and so forth. So it was a society of, of, of order and, and, and peace and, 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 and social justice and, 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 you know, cooperativeness and so on. And, and within that context, then you had all this, all this beauty, all this wonderful sculpture and, you know, beautiful design of creativity and so on and so forth. I mean, really heaven and earth, if you will, and as they used to say, as above, so below, you know, and, and, and that was Egypt. It was heaven, heaven on earth and Kemet. So, so it's definitely, it's been done and it's, it's definitely possible for us to do it again. But as you say, we, we, we have to see this as the way to go, to be able to create this new paradigm and to be able to, to do it for ourselves individually and, and to help others to do it. So that it becomes yes. also a collective yes. experience. And as we do it individually, then we become an energy system that attracts others who are also seeking that same energy system, that same awakening. And I think about Ma'at as the embodiment of truth and justice and righteousness. And that first step is truth. Mm -hmm. We're not going to get anywhere <laughs> if we're not in line with truth. Mm -hmm. Oneness sets the order. And once we have truth, then we can bring forward justice. And once we have justice, then we will bring forward righteousness. There's a process that has been dictated and determined from thousands of years back. And it's true then and today and forevermore. <laughs> and we have truth, justice, righteousness, and the beloved community. Yes, yes. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Look I forward share. to the next week. that we're preaching now. I know, because spirit is. Yes. So absolutely. thank you so much. It's been wonderful. It's been a wonderful conversation. Okay. Look forward to next week. Until the next time. Good. Peace and blessings.